Gracious and loving God, we pray that you might continue to be present among us. Having sung songs of praise and giving you thanks, we also come to hear a word from you, from the Lord's Prayer that we've been focusing on and reading, and then also that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And that through them and through all of it, we might find something of you this morning that might take hold in our hearts and make its way into practice. And it's through your Son who taught us so much, but especially the Lord's Prayer, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're on to kind of over the hump of this series. We're moving towards the latter half of the Lord's Prayer as we've been focusing on this prayer that for many of us is, you know, something that we learned at some point in our lives and we don't even remember where it came from. Others of us are still learning it and trying to kind of know the meanings of it. But, you know, whatever we do, we kind of, it's like something that's just said every Sunday, at least in our church, and it's easy to gloss over. But for Jesus, Jesus seemed to teach us this prayer with a special focus. In fact, it's the only prayer that he says, do this prayer. And I think one of the reasons is because each segment of it carries so much meaning and so much of our Christian journey as disciples, which means those that follow Jesus, is wrapped up into this prayer. And my hope is that as we pray it each week, and hopefully as you pray it at home in your prayer life, that it might take on new meaning for you and for how you live out your prayer. Because the goal of prayer is not simply to lift up something to God. The goal of prayer is also for the words that we give to God to transform us. And and last week we talked about, we used the book of James and we talked about, uh, James had this phrase where it said, you know, those of you who say come and, and be here, but if someone comes hungry or someone comes without clothes and then we just say, go on your own, you know, we might be able to come to a sanctuary and say, oh, all are welcome, everyone's celebrated, everyone's nourished by God, and then they go off on their way without food or without clothing. James would say, without works, faith is dead. Similarly, prayer is not just the words that we say. Prayer is how we live it out. So if we pray each day, give us our daily bread, and by us I mean communal us, but we don't do anything to meet the needs of hunger, are our prayers really meaningful, right? Do they take hold if they're just words said versus words also lived? And the phrase that we've been talking about to kind of put to, you know, terms this idea of prayer and work is ora et labora, which is prayer at work. Prayer becomes how we live. So, Quinnah, could you just put up on the screen the Lord's Prayer for us? And we're going to unpack just kind of where we have been for a few weeks together. So we started with the, the first phrase, which is our Father or our God, who art where? In heaven, Right. And so the primary thrust of this is that God is beyond us, like God is outside and that we are looking to God. And the next is, hallowed be your name, which is another way of saying holy is your name or to make holy. And that's really to mean to like set apart. So like we're setting God apart and recognizing that God is God and that we are not God. And then it goes on to the next passage, which is kind of emphasizing that point in a different way. Your kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
which is, oh God, that you're set apart here and it's your kingdom and your will, not our kingdom and our will that's done on earth as it is in heaven. So we look to God and hope that God brings God's kingdom here on earth. That was our second week that we talked about. And if, and if you don't, you're like kind of confused on some of this, or you're like trying to remember what I said, or what the is in the book that we're reading together, Lord's Prayer, you can go back to the sermon series, or you can look at the book as well. The next phrase was last week, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about how us was a key portion, and daily was another key thing. That us is a communal us. It's not just give me my daily bread, but it's give us, all of us, our daily bread. And that daily bread is something that God intends for us. I've been working with our, our preschool kids in chapel, and we've been talking about how God made all things, right? And, I, and I, if I, the kids walk away with knowing that God made them, and God made them good and special, like I've done my chapel for the entire year, but like that's what I do, right? God made all things, and God made you good. But one of the things we've been talking about past couple weeks is God gives all things enough, and I told a story about how my oldest son had a, a day of, of gluttony where he had a party at school and ate chips and musubi. And then afterwards, we had been owing them double three, which is, you know, like this giant ice cream from downtown. Yeah, you know. And he neglected to tell us about the party earlier that day. And so went from the party to this giant ice cream cone. And that night didn't go well for him. And he has yet to go back to double three because he was a little bit sick, right? Too much of something is not always a good thing. And in fact, rarely is a good thing if we have too much. God gives us our daily bread in hopes that we might live with an idea of enough. Not scarcity, but enough. And so now we move into, I would argue, the hardest piece of the entire Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, it, and that it's not just that, right? It's like this one, not, I think Jesus knew was the hardest because it's kind of right in the middle. And that's like a Hebrew thing is to put like the most important things in the middle. So daily bread and forgive us. But then also after the prayer is done, I think Jesus knew what was going to stick in the heads of everyone, right? And Kona, can you put up, I don't think that you had the, the scripture, but I think it's in the scripture reading. If you go back to the last scripture. There we go. It's going to scroll through for a second. Give us a minute. All the way down to the end. Isn't that going? Anyway, Jesus emphasizes his point that you must actually forgive. And the scale to which you are willing to forgive is the way in which it will be treated towards you. And this is really important to Jesus. He's got other phrases. He says to the Pharisees, you know, who are you to judge someone else for the speck in their eye when they have a plank in their own? The Apostle Paul in the, books of, in the book of Romans, kind of going back and forth with this Christian Jewish teacher who's telling him, you got to do all these things. And this Christian Jewish teacher was kind of judging Paul and the communities that Paul had started. Paul goes, you judger who does the judging, what are you to say for yourself? It's this theme throughout the Bible that we must not give to others expectations and judgment that we are unwilling to, you know, unpack in our own. There's a, a book that I read recently by uh, Tak 
Nihan, and he's a Zen Buddhist, and it's called Personal Peace. And he was a Vietnamese, uh, he was in Vietnam, like right before and as the Vietnam War was kind of going on, so saw all sorts of things, right? But now he is an avid writer for finding peace. And one of the things that he writes in this book, Personal Peace, is that the thing is, is when we see conflict, right, and we see, you know, other people doing things, our immediate sort of sense is to do what? Kind of fix it or expect them to change it, right? Like, you need to do something or something needs to happen, especially if I've been wronged. Has anyone been wronged in the room before? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you know, you've been wronged in the room before, and you know your immediate thought is not like, oh, I did this, right? No, your immediate thought is like this blood boiling being like, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they would. And it's this they would that ultimately this author talked about we must be willing to let go of. That if we're truly looking to find peace in the world, we first have to release our sense of control on the other things around us. And friends, that is hard. <laughs> yeah? It is so hard. And on top of that, we must also be willing to accept forgiveness and what I also call grace for ourselves. Some of the people who do the most judging, you want to know the thing that I have found out? They judge themselves even harder. That when they, you know, tend to be kind of rude or tend to become kind of cold or kind of be like, say these passive aggressive comments, like one of the things that I kind of feel inside is this sort of inner turmoil that they don't feel good, right, about who they are. And that feeling of expectation of themselves then gets carried over to other people and just kind of breeds this negativity. Forgive us our trespasses. The first step in finding our way to peace is allowing us to believe that God can forgive us. And I have people that say all the time to me in the context of a pastoral conversation, if you only knew, right? If you only knew what I did or only knew what I think or only knew, then perhaps you might change your tune. But God knows and God forgives. And in fact, I think that the burden that we carry that we're not doing this right is in fact what the trespass becomes. I've said it before, and I said it a few weeks ago, that I believe that sin is another way of calling it a fracture. The, the Greek for sin is to talk about to miss the mark, right? The Hebrew for sin adds on to that, usually when they talk about turning from it or going back, it's this like literally like turning away. And repent in the Greek is also like you're missing the mark, and then you're turning back to God. The point is not about what you have done. The point is about what the beginning of the Lord's prayer is trying to push us towards. Because so often when we miss the mark and go on our way, and then we start feeling like there's this division between us and God, 
and we start living like there's this division, all we're doing is creating the very problem of sin in our lives, which is a fracture or a rupture between our perceived relationship to God. And I say our perceived relationship to God because I believe that throughout the narratives of the Old Testament and the New, God is always ready to forgive and to invite us back. And even so, more so than we're able to accept it for ourselves. So God's wanting to be in right relationship. And how do we know that? Because God has given us Jesus. God's self. God, holy other. Remember, we say God is up there. And we make a point in the prayer. But then God comes down here to be with us. I don't really think that God's up, but you know what I mean? Like God comes to us to be here. And a key theme for Jesus is that all are forgiven. And then the apostle Paul kind of lays that out even further. All are forgiven. And then people will be like, well, what about the, what about the Gentiles? And Paul will be like, all are forgiven. And then the Jews will be like, what about the guys that aren't circumcised? And Paul will be like, all are forgiven. And then well, Paul, someone would say, well, what about those people that eat the meat that's sacrificed to Roman idols? And Paul would say, all are forgiven. And so you might say, well, what about those things that I've said? Or what about the th things that I've done? Or what about those thoughts and those doubts that I have? All are what? Forgiven. And so for us, it's really about trusting this first sentence. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive it. Another way of saying it is debt. Forgive us our debt. Has anyone ever paid off their student loans yet? Yeah? Yeah? You know the feeling, right? <laughs> you know the feeling. Like, you're done paying your student loans, and they take a while nowadays. I know, like, some of our, you know, you remember, like, those days of working as a lifeguard and paying your way through college. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. And if you're a parent of a kid in college, you know that that doesn't happen. And then you like walk away and, and then this is like a carried over, right? The school debt is carried over. How am I ever going to break free from that? Or perhaps it's not school debt. Perhaps it's credit card debt. Whatever the debt is, the moment that you're like free from it, you're just like, oh my gosh. Like I don't owe someone something. I don't have to like send it to Uncle Sam every, every month, right? This giant portion of my paycheck. Although we have to do it in a different way, but that's, that's another point for another, another time. But then it goes further. Can we believe in the forgiveness for ourselves and that God has offered you grace? And now can we learn to extend it to that person? And no, don't get me wrong. This is not to say that those who have done harm or hurt or pain or caused pain in your life, that you're to say that I'm going to replicate that situation and allow someone to continue to use or abuse you in certain contexts. That's not, I believe, what it means to forgive and to offer that. But I think it's willing and that inside to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm still good. And it was hurtful, yes, but I'm okay. 
I know one of the hardest things, and I remember talking to my mentor, uh, I won't disclose who this was in my life, but it was uh, someone that was really close to me in my life, and, and they had just done something that was just so terribly hurtful for me, and I was just like, I'm done. It's happened before a few times. I'm like, I'm done. So I called my mentor, my uh, professor from undergrad, and I'm like, Steve, I just can't do it anymore. Just can't. Like, how, like, I don't think I believe that I can do this thing, like, forgiveness, right? You know, like, I, I literally said that. I just don't think I can. Because if I forgive, then I'm going to put myself in that situation. And he said the hardest thing, which is to say that, Ryan, forgiveness is just to offer an olive branch. That's it. And my olive branch isn't to say, like, I'm going to now put myself in harm's way. But every time, like, I think about, and it's still, it's like this, it's a tension between someone that was really close to me growing up. And I, and I want to fix it, but that hasn't worked. And I, I want to address it, right? And I want, every time I, like, get in, like, a melancholy mood and I'll be, like, I want to be, like, texting. I'm, like, I can't believe you did that, right? And then I write the whole text message and then I erase the whole text message, Right? And then I do something different. So rather than saying, like, I can't believe that this happened and did this, I say to him on my good days, well, actually, don't text him on the bad days, but I just say to him, I say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm here if you want to talk. I miss you. Right? Like, that's it. All I can do is offer an olive branch in that context. And I'm not trying to put me on a pedestal and say, like, I've forgiven everyone, but it is hard. But I think part of it is for us to take ourselves out of that need to control and to recognize that all we can control is ourselves and the way we're interacting and to offer that forgiveness to others. That we are to forgive others with the grace that God gives us. I mean, can you imagine our world if that's the way we interacted? If we found a way for that phrase, how would our world look differently? I, I, it's unfathomable. The way it could change everything. And yet it's so simple, right? Because it starts in small ways. When I was also on this sort of journey of reading from this Zen Buddhist, I also read from some other like leaders of movements. And, 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 you know, like all of the ones that I look at and I say, they're so admirable, the things that they've done. Like you look at Mahatma Gandhi, right? And you look at, uh, you look at um, Martin Luther King Jr. And look at some of these like major movers, Nelson Mandela, right? Major movers in the world. And they have had have lived through some of the most awful things done to them. And yet, they still find a way to inspire others to live out of a sense of forgiveness towards those that have done them wrong. To treat them with dignity and to respect. And some of the greatest leaders have relied deeply on this notion that non kind of or Han kind of brings together that we can only find peace in the world if we find it in ourselves. And that we might not be able to change the world. In fact, you won't be able to change the world. You won't even be able to change your spouse or your kid, <laughs> right? 
but it's only, or your parents. But it's only when you can be at peace with that truth that you'll begin to change the relationships and the world. And it's not because you're changing it. It's because the peace that you're creating, that aura around you, will just change the way we interact with each other. And it is powerful, but oh, it's just so hard. And some practices that I've, I've sort of learned is that, you know, as a parent, when my sort of blood kind of just starts moving a little bit hotter than normal, it's just to like take a moment and just take some breaths, right? Or, you know, when I'm writing that text, you know, before I hit send, I just like take a moment. Or before I'm ready to like go talk to so-and-so about what this person had done and just like just kind of go on the like, can't believe what they did, just kind of think for a moment, how would I feel if that happened to me? And see, this is not like this divine revelation that Jesus is revealing here. And it is, right? This is easy and seems common sense. But we all know what it feels like to be hurt by someone else, to be annoyed by someone, to believe that they're doing something awfully wrong. And Jesus calls us to remember this basic truth. Forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. And as we do that, the fractures between us and God and us and one another will begin to be mended in just small ways. Begin to not see us as distant from one another, but just perhaps not in sync yet. So when we pray the prayer, it's not just an invitation to say the words. It's the hard work. And I had a professor once ask us to do it. As after talking about forgiveness and reading through it in the Bible, they said, now your assignment is to write a letter of forgiveness to the person that wronged you. And you know who I'm talking about. We all know exactly who you're talking about. And to write a letter. You don't have to send it. But what would it look like just to perhaps write a letter of forgiveness? And then just think on it. So this week, I invite you. I'll be your professor this week. Write a letter. You don't have to send it. Don't have to send it. Has, but write it. That person that you know that hurt you, that you just have a hard time forgiving. And if you, you really want to and you feel like it's been time and it's been kind of stirring in your heart to finally like actually send that letter or send the, hit the text button, then do it. But live out. And that's just one way we live out what? This prayer. So can we pray that, just that, that portion? What is it again? Forgive us. Come on, do it with me. You know, let's put it on the screen so that we all have it, just in case. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Let that be our prayer and our actions. Amen and amen. I invite you to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, we pray that we might do the hard work of living at peace with our own faults, our own failures, our own inadequacies, and knowing that you have given us enough and that you have offered us Jesus and made us right and reconciled us and help us live out of that sense of wholeness and the grace that we have, even in our flaws, to offer it to others. And for the person or the people that have wronged us, help us understand what forgiveness even looks like. And help us live not out of a place of judgment, but out of peace in ourselves and hope for peace in the world. Amen.